Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Last week, we began the book of Esther. We focused on the spiritual power that comes from prayer and fasting. After receiving the devastating news that all Jews were to be destroyed, Esther gathered her supporters to pray and fast, and everything changed from that point on. Today, we look at the influence Esther had once she became queen, and the fact that we too all have a circle of influence. So to gain some context then, let's unwrap a few facts. The time of Esther, around 486 to 465 BC. The setting, primarily the king's palace in Susa, the capital of the Persian Empire. The main characters, Esther, King Xerxes, Mordecai, Haman. We're in the book of Esther. I pray you will grasp hold of this powerful message and that it will challenge and inspire you as it has done for me. And what a story it is. There are so many layers to it. I'm going to read now from Esther 2, chapter 2, verses 15 to 18. When the turn came for Esther, the young woman Mordecai had adopted, the daughter of his uncle Abihail, to go to the king, she asked for nothing other than what Hegai, the king's eunuch who was in charge of the harem, suggested. And Esther won the favor of everyone who saw her. She was taken to King Uxus in the royal residence in the tenth month, the month of Tibeth, in the seventh year of his reign. Now the king was attracted to Esther more than to any of the other women, and she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. And the king gave a great banquet, Esther's banquet for all his nobles and officials. He proclaimed a holiday throughout the provinces and distributed gifts with royal liberality. The book of Esther is one of the more exciting and curious books in the Bible. The story is set over 100 years after the Babylonian exile of the Israelites from their land. And while some Jews did return to Jerusalem, many did not. Esther and her family were among the Jews who stayed behind in Persia. When Esther's parents died, she was adopted and raised by her older cousin, Mordecai. For some of you sitting here, you will know this story well, and others, maybe it's the first time you've heard it, or you want to know more. I always can gain more from this book. I mention this as a curious book. I say that mainly for the fact that God is never even mentioned, not once, which might strike you as odd as it did for me when I realized it. But this is a brilliant technique by the author, who's anonymous, by the way. It's an invitation to read the story looking for God's activity, and there are signs of it everywhere. It forces you to see God's purpose at work behind the scenes, his sovereignty 
and loving care are woven throughout the words and chapters. So in order to grasp the God factor woven all through it, let's get into the story. The book opens with the king of Persia, King Uxus, hosting a banquet for all his nobles and officials. At the get-go, we need to understand this king had immense power. His kingdom was divided into 127 provinces that extended from Asia Minor all the way down to Africa and into parts of northern India, and he ruled this vast empire from his capital city of Susa. He sure had some influence. After Vashti, the king's wife, embarrassed him by refusing his request to make an appearance at a high-profile banquet, she was banished from the king's presence. To save face, the king had no option but to make an example of her in front of his generals and their wives, so he removes her forever from his presence. In chapter 2, the king's personal attendants propose that a search be made for beautiful young virgins for the king. Queen Vashti needed to be replaced. And so a beauty pageant was held. Many young women arrived. The king had appointed commissioners in every province to bring these beautiful women into the harem at the citadel of Susa. Enter Esther. She was, like the other woman, put under the care of Hegai, the king's eunuch, whose job it was to look after the woman and let beauty treatments be given to them. Esther pleased the king and won his favour. She didn't reveal her nationality, that she was a Jew, or talk of her family background, because Mordecai, who had raised her, had forbidden her to do so. The king immediately provided her with beauty treatments and special food. He moved her to a special place in the harem alongside her seven attendants. Gosh, we women would be happy just with one assistant, wouldn't we? <laughs> and ladies, can I especially bring to your attention the verses in chapter 2, verse 12. Before a young woman's turn came to go into King Uxus, she had to complete... 12 months of beauty treatments, six months with oil of myrrh and six with perfumes and cosmetics, 12 months, sheesh, <laughs> well in our time now I'm thinking that's a lot of oil of Olay and Thin Lizzy, Esther who had won the favour of everyone in the house was taken to the king in the 10th month, he is instantly attracted to her and likes what he sees, he senses her inner beauty. She wins his favour, and he sets a royal crown on her head. She becomes queen, the new queen of Persia, replacing Vashti. Verse 18, the king puts on a great banquet for all his nobles and officials to honour Esther. The story tells us, and keep with me, during this, by chance, Mordecai, who was at the palace gate, happens to overhear two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway and who have been disloyal. He hears them plotting to murder the king. Mordecai informs Queen Esther, who in turn reports it to the king, giving credit to Mordecai. The report is investigated, found to be true, but Mordecai is not rewarded at this time. This is significant 
because we too can feel overlooked or taken for granted sometimes. But God sees it all and will reward us in his good timing. And we're going to hear more on that next week. The two officials are then done away with, but evil has a tendency to rear its ugly head again and again. Next, we are introduced to Haman, who's not actually a Persian. He's called an Agagite. He's a descendant of King Agag. hope I'm getting these names pronounced right. From the ancient Canaanite tribe. There's history here as they were one of Israel's old enemies. Isn't it true what you don't confront will try to dominate you, especially generational sin if it's not dealt with? The king elevates Haman, giving him a seat higher than that of all other nobles. The king commands that he is paid honour and knelt down before. Well, when Mordecai sees Haman, sees Haman, he refuses to kneel. As a Jew, it was against God's law to bow down to anything or anyone other than God. This, of course, fills Haman with rage. We're in chapter 3, verse 5, and when Haman finds out that Mordecai is Jewish, he successfully persuades the king to enact a crazy decree to destroy not just Mordecai, but all of the Jewish people. Esther has risen to high office by hiding her identity, but now her people are threatened. A decree is out to kill her people. Will she reveal her identity? Going to the king without being invited was very dangerous. She could have been killed or banished for raising her voice. What risks are we taking to speak up for the oppressed? Esther was wise and cautious. She treads carefully, awaiting the right time to say what God had prompted her to say. Often we too need to be wise in how we approach difficult situations and powerful people. But let's not be so cautious that we miss the moment. An encouraging story about someone who stepped up like Esther was a little white-haired shopkeeper in George Street, Sydney, Australia. After his own dramatic conversion to Christ, he promised the Lord he would try and speak to 10 people every day about Christ. His name was Mr. Ginor. In England, an English pastor kept hearing testimony after testimony from those who were saved by being asked a simple question by a little white-haired man in George Street, Sydney. One of those saved was a Hindu who returned to India, found Christ, and eventually became the head of 5,000 evangelism leaders who had reached tens of thousands for the Lord in India alone. The English pastor was so amazed at the stories he kept hearing about George Street that he sought to find this little man in South Sydney. So he travelled there. He was finally able to visit him and filled him in. The little man sobbed as he heard about over 140,000 salvations due to his obedience to step up. He had never heard back from anyone. 
and all the time he had been sharing. He died two weeks later. What a reception he would have received in heaven. And the question he asked everyone, Excuse me, sir, madam, are you saved? If you died tonight, would you go to heaven? Amazing story. Another recent illustration of when one person stepped up at the right moment in order to save many lives, and you're familiar with this, was the Hudson River plane landing. Captain Sully had just moments to make a decision to redirect his flight soon after takeoff from JFK Airport to the only feasible landing spot after a flock of birds flew into the plane's motors. Months of scrutiny and investigation followed with the outcome that he made the only call possible under the circumstances in order to save the people at the expense of the plane. Years of experience in making good decisions and small adjustments allowed him, in that moment, to draw on all that he knew to be possible. There's a great parallel here with Esther and with those who follow the Lord's leading through many trials and daily choices. What would have been going through that captain's mind as he prepared to land on the river? He may have easily been thinking, if I perish, I perish, but I've got to try to save all these people on board. What can we take home on hearing the story that will make a difference in our week ahead? Surely valuing people is up there. Here are some things that we can learn from Esther's life and apply it to our own. And I sure need to learn this. Obedience. She had learnt this early in her life. Clearly, she had obeyed her cousin Mordecai as he had raised her. We need to be obedient to the Holy Spirit's voice. Obedience built who Esther was and who she was to become. When God's appointed time came, she was willing to die. Acts 5.29, we must obey God rather than men. I remember at Bible college having it pointed out to us that in the word obedience, which you can see up there on the screen, the middle three letters of that word is die, and the middle letter of that word is I. The I needs to die, doesn't it, for us to be obedient to Christ. Maybe that's something you can take home and remember. The I needs to die, but I need to take home and remember. Courage. Numerous times in the story, Esther showed courage. She put her life on the line for her beliefs. Courage like that had to come out of, out of a time spent alone with God, or lots of time spent alone with God. Courage that deeply trusted God. She fasts and prepares herself spiritually. If I perish, I perish, she said as she approached the king. Do we need to have courage this week? In your work, in your family life, in relationships, do you need to be the bigger person and put something right? 
Do we need to speak up boldly, prepared to stand up for someone or something? Someone once said, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Sometimes we must stand in courage, even when it is not popular to do so, and risk it all. Esther could well have thought that to stay silent was to live, and speaking up would mean death. However, she put the needs of her people ahead of her own. Courage is not the lack of fear. It's the ability to overcome fear. In John 16, 33, Jesus said, Take courage, I have overcome the world. Number three, stepped up. This is what else we can learn and apply in our lives. We've had obedience and courage. This is stepping up. When it mattered most, Esther drew on all her past knowledge of God's faithfulness to come through, despite all odds. She risked everything, not knowing in that moment before the king what her fate would be. 1 Peter 2.21 For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. In John 12.27 Jesus said, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for the, this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. As we're focusing over these weeks on our missionaries, uh, I'm sure we can just focus on this for a minute to say that they are applying in their life obedience. They've heard the call, they've stepped out and are serving and working in areas that we hear about that are hard, that don't have the comforts of home, where cultures are different and they get lonely and pine for family at home, but they have died to themselves. They've made the I die and they've gone to go where God has called them. They also show courage. We've got people sitting here in this room who've been on the mission field and they could testify to this way more than me. The courage that it takes to go and serve. Put aside what you know. To step into sometimes dangerous situations. And stepping up, of course, they're all stepping out and stepping up, aren't they? Coming before God, working for him tirelessly. Our prayers need to be fervent. And if you haven't stopped and looked at the faces on the back wall there, there's photos of our, Huntley, uh, of our National Baptist missionaries who are serving. There's a group that meet with Anna leading that every second Tuesday of the month. And we pray, they pray for these exact people on our back wall. Please take time to stop and read one story there of who these people are. Let's be a fervent people who, who pray fervently for these folk, who have stepped up, who have answered the call, who are showing courage. In conclusion, we may never have to face a choice as far-reaching as Esther did, but in following God, being faithful in the everyday stuff matters. Being obedient and courageous means being prepared to suffer the consequence of rejection or being unpopular 
for the sake of Christ and his cause. God loved the Jewish people, and he didn't create Esther's beauty and finesse for her and her alone. Esther was placed in a royal position to assist in the delivery of God's divine plan. Stepping up when it matters should become a lifestyle, not a one-off event. I'll say that again. Stepping up when it matters should become a lifestyle, not a one-off event. Whether you're a stay-at-home mum, a construction worker, or the prime minister, we each have our own field of influence. And like Easter, God has placed us there for a reason. How do I, how do you influence others around you? Do you bring peace in the workplace? Do you show love and understanding in your home to the age of your children that are maybe think a little differently to you or your grandchildren? How do we influence when we walk out these doors? What is it that people see? Who am I? Who are you? We have a powerful and wonderful God that can help build us to be the people he wants us to be, to have the correct influence. Because we know, don't we, rubber hits the road in our own home. Who we are at home is the real us. And we have an opportunity there to be the influence with our children, with those we come into contact. Let's seize everyday opportunities to show the love of Christ and speak out what is right and true. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We uphold it this morning in this place. We acknowledge that we need it and we can learn from examples of people in the Bible and we thank you for Esther. We thank you for what we can learn from her, Lord God. Father, thank you that she was obedient. Thank you that she showed courage and thank you that she stepped up. And Lord, we pray that you would help us do that too. That we wouldn't be a weak people, a weak person in our faith, but we'd be strong, we'd be obedient to what you ask us to do. Not just hearers of the word, but doers. That we'd put on courage, that we'd step out and be prepared, Lord God, to speak up for you. To not miss opportunities. Lord God, help us. We acknowledge that we need you to help us to do this, Lord God. And we say again this morning that we love you. Thank you for what you have taught us today, even if it's one small thing. Lord God, may we take it. May it resonate in our heart and we do something about it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast.